0: Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert
1: and Christian Arnold.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night! In New York, welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, August 16th, 2020. Coming at you live from the Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, Long Island. We got a big show coming up for you tonight. Brian Compton will be joining us in about 15 minutes to talk about games one and two preview game 3 and all things Islanders we want to remind you guys that we are presented by Oyster Bay Brewing Company creator of the Barn Rockers Session and official partner of the New York Islanders located at 36 Audrey Avenue in Oyster Bay Head on down to sample all their fine offerings in the tap room, Open seven days a week with indoor and outdoor seating. And if you can't make it down, don't forget you can order all their great selections and merch for curbside pickup, local delivery, or shipping anywhere in New York at oysterbaybrewing.com with coupon code H-N-I-N-Y for 15% off. And, of course, we are sponsored by the great Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Come on down for great food great people and great Islander fans and go to bluelinedeli.com to check out the menu for all their great
2: selections. Christian Arnold, how are you? I'm doing good. Up a little early today. Excited to be here at Blue Line Deli and excited to see what happens today in game three. A big game for the Islanders. A chance to go up 3-0 in the series and really put a stranglehold. Uh, on this first round matchup with the Washington Capitals. It's more like
0: hockey day in yes. New York, actually, <laughs> but we're happy to be there. Breakfast at Blue Line, excited here. Look, you couldn't have asked for a better start for the New York Islanders against the Washington Capitals. They open up the series two games to none. Uh, maybe they got out of the gate a little bit slow in both games, but they you know, they settled things down. They took over, and, and really five-on-five five especially, they just they just kind of dominated this team it was very encouraging to see so with all that being said christian what do
2: you say ca yeah no i mean i think that's been the uh i think that's been the biggest story of this first round really the playoffs for the new york islanders is their domination on the 5 on 5 uh game because i mean you look at the numbers and you look at the way they play when they have all you know, even strength and five on five going, and they are just shutting down the Washington Capitals the same way they did to the Florida Panthers in the, yeah. in the qualifying round. I was going to say first round, but qualifying round, <laughs> right? And they're doing Very the same technical. thing to the yeah, right? They're doing the same thing to the Washington Capitals. They are absolutely uh, putting a stranglehold on their offense. You saw that late in the game in the third period in, the, in game two. Um, you saw that really for the most part in the third period in game th- uh, game one. Mm -hmm. Uh, after they got out of the first 40 minutes, of which was really uh, sluggish hockey for the New York Islanders, a lot of penalties, and that's really where they've gotten themselves in trouble, and they cleaned that up a lot in game two. Yeah, and it's funny. You almost think about how much better they might have even performed in these games if they just stayed
0: out of the box, particularly (laughs) in game one. I mean, it really has been a tale of two teams when you look at any time they, they ended up in the box, even against Florida, and now against Washington, particularly in game one. I mean, that's how they went down two to nothing in that first game. Was just you know undisciplined penalties and TJ Oshie gets those those first two goals. I was down two nothing, and everybody gets a little nervous. But again, I I said this when we talked about the Florida series was that they didn't let this stuff rattle them. They stayed cool, calm and collected. They continued to play Barry Trotz hockey. They come back in that first game. They end up taking the win. And here we are, Christian. I, you know what? I don't know how many people expected a 2 nothing lead in this series, but here we are,
2: and we're, we're about ready to get, get going for Game 3 at, at 12 o'clock. I'm sure there were a lot of people ready to uh, just say the Islanders' season was done after the first 40 minutes in Game 1. <laughs> no. So, uh, but, yeah, it is miraculous, and I think to, to a greater extent, you look at the fact even how much the Islanders played better on the special teams game in, uh, in Game 2, and the fact that, I mean, granted, they only capitalized on one of those power plays, but that's really all they've needed. If you look back historically in this playoffs, year, playoffs this year, the Islanders all but one game, they've only scored one power play goal in all the games they've won uh, in each of those games. So all they've needed is one, really, to, to come away on the better side of that. And then mm. they keep the Capitals limited to about two chances yesterday, which was huge compared to the seven that they gave them in game one. Right. And it was just a different ball game.
0: Yeah, and and I think you kind of have to harken back to the way they started this season. I mean, that's kind of the team that they look like right now. And that was the big question coming into this return to play. What Islander team are we going to see? Is it going to be the team that was, you know, losing 7 games in a row prior to the shutdown right. or were we going to see something more similar to the team that won, you know, what that had 17 game point streak. Right. Now that were pretty much, you know, dominating teams left and right. And you know, good news for Islander fans. That's that's the team we're seeing right now.
2: Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think there was really any question. And it becomes uh, it puts a greater emphasis on the fact that the Islanders really were banged up for a better part of the second half of the season, and they really struggled there. Right, that was the big re- big thing. They struggled on defense because they lost a lot of their depth guys. Ryan, right. uh, Adam, Pellet gets hurt. Um, they have to really rely on Noah Dobson to, to step up, and he he did a fine job. Like, you know, we've said it a number of times. Yeah, he, yeah, he did yeah. a fine job, and I'm not trying to take anything away from him. Uh, But then you bring in Andy Green that stabilizes things a little bit more. And now that you have Adam Pellick back, you have an opportunity. Andy Green has played lights out in that role with Nick Letty. And it's made it hard for for Barry Trotz to take him out of the lineup. So you look at the healthy Islanders compared to the Islanders that were playing, which is kind of hamstrung together there in the second half because there were so many injuries. You had so many injuries up front, too. Cal Clutterbuck, uh, Casey Zizekas. Um, So, I mean, you just – you think about that and you think about all the different factors that have gone into it. When this Islanders team is healthy, when they are able to play their style of hockey, their game, um, you know, the Barry Trot style – they are a dominant team that can play with any team in this league, and I think they've proven it in the first in the qualifying round against the Panthers and now against the Washington Capitals, who on paper should be a much, much better team than the Islanders. Right, and, you know, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but you say all those positive things, and then I don't know
0: if you saw, but you have P.K. Subban on his podcast <laughs> saying he wouldn't be surprised if he saw the Islanders go to the Stanley Cup Finals. Now, are we here sitting here ready to say that? I don't know. Do I think it's possible? Absolutely, but... You know, it's funny how two games already has you know this 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 positive outlook now on the, on the Islanders playoff run here.
2: Yeah, certainly it's it's changed a lot of people's tune. I think that it's a realization and a wake up call. And look, if there was any year that the Islanders were going to go to the Cup final, it'd probably this be this year just because everything else has been so wacky. That just the Islander it'd be like the Islanders and the Arizona Coyotes in the Stanley Cup Final something ridiculous. <laughs> I'll take where, it. <laughs> We're just like what is going on right now. It would just be the the pinnacle of twenty twenty at this point.
0: Right. So you mentioned Andy Green. Let's talk about him for a second. Johnny Boychuk gets hurt uh, earlier on in this return to play. Everybody's wondering whether he's going to be ready to go for Game One. Andy Green gets some gets some uh, you know practice in there with Nick Letty, and it turns out that Boychuk is healthy for Game One, but. It looks like, you know, Barry Trotz elects to stick with Andy Green, and he's been great next to Nick Letty, as you said. And and you you almost might argue that Nick Letty's game is kind of picked up because of Green coming in.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it hasn't hurt by any stretch of the imagination, and that's such a big thing for the Islanders to have, you know, three three defensive pairs that really can get the job done. And, um, you know, like I was saying earlier, you have a healthy Islanders blue line, and then you have the depth that they have. It yeah. makes those injuries, if they occur, which they, you know, they're most likely to occur because the postseason is a sure. rough and tumble time of hockey. Yeah. And so you have that depth now because not only do you have Andy Green, and obviously Johnny Boychuk is healthy now, so you have Boychuk as a, as a backup. You have Thomas Hickey who, you know, we've been through it before, but Thomas Hickey is, is a strong defenseman when you need him to be. Sebastian Aho is not a bad choice either. He's had a great game down in Bridgeport. And right. um, I feel like I'm missing someone, and I can't think of who is off the top of my well, head. You, you, Dobson? Dobson. Oh, Noah Dobson, yeah, yeah, another great option. So, yeah. I mean, you have all these, these great, great options now that um, aren't really going to hurt you too much. So now the Islanders, with the depth and the health that the Islanders have, that's such a huge thing. So um, just being able to have Andy Green out there, the veteran presence, the stabilizing force back there, it certainly helps Nick Letty, who, uh, you know, at times looked really shaky. And I know there was a point in time where a lot of Islander fans would have been happy – to make a trade where he was part of it and not, not be on Long Island anymore.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that, that's something that's still possible. That's not what we're talking about here today, but they will have a salary cap issue when <laughs> we get to the quote-unquote summer or at least off season once all is said and done here. But, yeah, very promising things with, with Green coming into the lineup. And, you know, we've been singing this tune ever since we, we kind of came back on the show here, just talking about how valuable and how important guys like Adam Pellick and Casey Sazikas mm-hmm. are to this team because it really has been night and day since they've been back and how this team has been playing. And credit to Barry Trotz and the staff for getting these guys ready Mm -hmm. because, you know what, there's no fans in the stands. It's interesting, too, you have a guy like Tuka Rask. Who before he decided to to leave, he did say that it, it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel like the playoffs, and you got to figure there's there's enough playoffs, uh, sorry, players out there
2: that have similar feelings, but you have the Islanders here that they're committed. Well, it's interesting too because you get, you, 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 I guess you can get that sense from other series, but you don't get that sense from the Islanders Capital Series. This is a right. series where, like, when I mean, Game Two was a lot less um, kind of drag, you know, knuckle dragging hockey than I thought it would be. Right. But Game One, I mean, that was as physical and the, the hype was certainly around it. There was certainly a, enough to put there and say, wow, this could be a really physical series that and people were talking about, it rivaling, uh, rivaling the 2015 series, which was one of the toughest a lot of these guys have played as well. Right,
0: and we're going to look at the games a little more in depth. We've got a couple minutes before we have to invite Brian Compton onto the show, but since we do have a minute or two, I mean, we might as well talk about those shenanigans that started off game one. I mean, you want to talk about a, a little bit of hatred here, a little little rivalry action going on at the beginning of that game. I and mean, Tons of shenanigans. you got guys going after each other right off the bat. Obviously, you have that hit from, from Anders Lee on Nicholas Backstrom that ends up taking him out. Uh, we're still trying to find out whether he's going to be ready to go for today's game, but certainly uh, plenty of drama. To, to open up that game one.
2: Oh without a doubt. And obviously the, the Lee hit on Baxter became the the focal point for that for that for that game and really for some of the anger from the Washington Capitals in the following twenty four hours after that. So it was uh you know, it wasn't a great hit. Was it interference? Yes. You know, I said it on Twitter. It was an interference. It was the right call in that moment. Sure. Was it anything more than that? I I mean, I guess the Capitals were just looking for something to kind of motivate that team after a tough loss like that. I mean, that was – you talk about the shenanigans and kind of the sloppy play in the first you know, first 40 minutes of that game, and then you look at what the Islanders did. I should probably say the first 38 minutes of that game, right, because the Islanders had a pretty decent closing couple minutes there in the the second period. So I don't want to take that away from them. Yeah. And then you look at the following 20 minutes in the third where the Islanders played – phenomenal hockey. And again, it, it kept putting into focus how much they've dominated on the five on five game, because even with all of that going on, there was so, I think there was like maybe eight minutes and something seconds, 31 seconds played of five on five hockey in the first period. Yeah, that's no. it. So but, it really showed how much the Islanders dominated in the five on five game, but there, but there was a lot of shenanigans and it was a <laughs> physical game and the, the Capitals were doing what the Capitals wanted needed the, uh, you know, needed to do to, to kind of play against the Islanders. And that was kind of throw them off and, and play that physical style and get them to take those those dumb penalties and that's what they were doing in that in that first, you know, 20, 20 so minutes
0: in the game. And I wouldn't be surprised Christian if we see some more of that from the Capitals today. But right now folks, we got a break cuz we're going to bring Brian Compton from nhl.com onto the show. So we want to thank you all for tuning in for this early breakfast edition here at Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington Long Island. We're going to take a quick break. And we'll be right back.
1: You have a lot of choices when it comes to great beer, and Oyster Bay Brewing Company provides the best Long Island has to offer. Oyster Bay Brewing Company is dedicated to producing the highest quality beer while staying true to their nautical history on the Gold Coast of Long Island. They're the creators of the renowned Barn Rocker Session Ale and an official partner of the New York Islanders. Whether it's the Crisp Barn Rocker, Smooth Honey Ale, Savory IPA, or Gluten-Free Hard Seltzers, Oyster Bay Brewing Company has an option for everyone. Located at 36 Audrey Avenue, the tap room is open seven days a week with indoor and outdoor seating, so you can experience all of Oyster Bay Brewing Company's excellent selections right in historic Oyster Bay. You can also shop online at OysterBayBrewing.com for curbside pickup, local delivery, or have your order shipped anywhere in New York. And if you use coupon code H-N-I-N-Y at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Oyster Bay Brewing Company, Long Island's Gold Coast Brewery.
0: The only thing better than a Great Long Island Deli is a Great Long Island Deli run by die-hard Islander fans. Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, will make any Islander fan feel right at home with its familiar blue and orange theme and Isles decor. Blue Line Deli and Bagels proudly serves Bagel Boss bagels along with breakfast favorites, hockey themed heroes, quesadillas, salads, fresh made smoothies, and much more. So stop on in for delicious food, a clean atmosphere, and a happy staff. Ready to greet you with friendly service, no matter what team you support. Want to place an order for pickup? Call 631-944-3222 or visit bluelinedeli.com to check out the menu and order online. Blue Line Deli and Bagels, where the great selections will have you saying, yes, yes. Yes. Hope you enjoyed the ads. Now let's get back to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Welcome back to the program, folks. you listen to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. And join us right now, Deputy Managing Editor from NHL.com, Mr. Brian Compton. Brian, how you doing, pal? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? And a good morning to you. A little breakfast at Blue Line. Thanks for... We're doing the early edition here at Hockey Night in New York. Uh, we got some Islander hockey to talk about. Obviously, came out of the gate real nice against the Caps in games one and two, have that 2-0 lead. So let's start there, Brian. What did you see in those two games? What did you like from the Isles? And can they keep this up heading into game three at noon today?
3: Yeah, I like their resolve, for sure. They've certainly gotten better as the games have gone along. Uh, They addressed their need to have better starts yesterday, which is evident. I mean, you can't keep chasing games. The Caps are eventually going to close one of these out if they get an early lead like they did the other night. So uh, that's really the biggest key going into today. Um, But I mentioned this on Twitter the other night. I've never seen a three-minute sequence like this (laughs) saw. It was just... I mean, the fact that the Caps could not leave their zone for three minutes. I mean, the puck took three trips to the neutral zone for about 10 seconds, and that was it. I mean, the rest of the time, the puck was in the Caps. end. I mean, even Scott Mayfield is pinning the puck along the right wing boards for 10 seconds so they could make a change. I mean, it was just insane. So um, I don't know if that was message sending to to the Caps. I mean, if, if they don't have pride after that, uh, I don't know what's going to spark them, so we'll see what happens today.
2: B Comp, really uh, appreciate you waking up early and joining us on the show. I do want to <laughs> talk about. I'm, I'm not taking a shot. I'm being nice right now. I don't know why. No, we're laughing. I don't, no. I just um, uh, you totally threw me off there. My question <laughs> to you, B Comp, was about that that sequence there in the in the third period. And I mean, just does that kind of epitomize um, the Barry Trotz New York Islander style of hockey when it's at its best? I mean, like you were saying, they really dominated and hemmed the the Caps in there for for such a long span.
3: Yeah, I want to say yes, but like I just said, I've never seen anything like that before. <laughs> so uh, um, I'm sure he was probably an too, standing there on the bench because that's just uh, that's basically un- unheard of. I, like I said, I've never seen anything like that before. But yeah, I mean, trotz hockey is you know forechecking, getting the puck in deep, swarming the opposition. Um, you know, it all started with, with the Pajot line: Pajot, Bressard, and, and Leo um and I asked Anders about it yesterday is, is that contagious I mean and, and it clearly was because it was just one line after another Brock's line got in got in on the fun um Barry was was mixing lines he had Anders out there with Casey um no matter who was out there uh, the puck was just behind the Capitals net or in their zone for sure so um are we going to see more of that today I can't imagine we will because it, it's like I said it's so unheard of but um, if if they, can, if they can establish their forecheck early, it's certainly going to bode well for them here in Game 3.
0: For sure. And, you know, usually it's it's goals and big plays that get you excited. But give me that any day of the week. <laughs> you know, give me the, that three minutes of hemming them in the zone. And, and that gets me up just as much as a goal does. I mean, it was great stuff. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the beginning of Game 1. You have, you know, some fire right away. You have some fisticuffs. And it almost looked to me, I want to know if you agree, Brian, was this maybe a strategy for the Caps? You know, you saw what happened with the Panthers and the Islanders where basically whenever the Panthers got on the power play, they were putting goals in. They see that the the PK for the Islanders have been struggling. Do you think they were trying to maybe get under the Islanders' skin a little bit to, to get things going in game one? I don't
3: know if they were trying to get under their skin. Um, I thought... They, I thought that they got the call right. I thought it was a penalty on Anders, but then after that, that should have been the end of it. He clearly, yeah. to me, was not trying to injure Nicholas Backstrom. There's no history with Anders Lee doing this stuff. Right. right. Um, Barry said he understood Todd Reardon's stance after the game. He's just protecting his players. Um, I don't even know if Todd clearly believes that that was a predatory hit because I think everybody right. else would, would disagree with him. Um, look, the Islanders have shown you over these first two games and really – since Barry took over, that they'll play any style that you want to play. Um, but I think this is the most well-equipped team to beat you any way that you want to play. Having said that, the Islanders do not want to get into a 5-4, 6-5 you know, kind of game. They want to play right. this style moving forward. If they do, um, this could be a really enjoyable summer for Islanders fans.
2: Talking with Brian Compton, uh, covers the Islanders, is the uh, deputy managing editor for NHL.com. You can follow him on Twitter at B Compton. NHL if you're not already Uh, B Comp, obviously one of the big storylines of this this series of this postseason really has been the play of Anthony Beauvillier and I I mean just the almost coming out party we've seen uh, from the 23 year old what what do you think has been uh, the key to his success in the postseason and I mean how much has that impacted the Islanders success here uh, on this run as well
3: yeah, I think it's not to take anything away from Bo because he's been as good as you just said, Christian. Yeah. I think this is just another case of Barry Trotz bringing out the best in his players. Um, Brock Nelson's game has been elevated five levels since Barry Trotz became <laughs> the, the head coach of the team. I and mean, let's be fair, right? So um, I think it's the line is really clicking right now. Bo seems to be in the right spots. Um, but he's also been, you know, really tenacious on the forecheck. And that that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about the, the style that Barry likes to play. So um, Bo's been fantastic. Good for him. He's a good kid. Um, and that whole line has been great. Brock's been great. And Josh Bailey, you know, the Isles Twitter can trash the guy all they want. <laughs> he, he, had, he has been. He's quietly been one of their better players since this postseason got underway.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned Josh Bailey. I do want to I want to talk about him a little bit because I think that, and I mean, you, you, I, we've known each other long enough. You know, I've been a big proponent of Josh Bailey for a very long time, and um, I think Islander fans really have seen the um, benefit that Josh Bailey, the, the advantage that Josh Bailey brings to the Islanders' lineup the last couple of years, just because of the big goals that he scored in the postseason. Um, but to you, B Comp, what what is it about Bailey's game away from just those big game big game goals? that really makes him such a crucial part of this this Islander roster?
3: He probably has the highest hockey IQ on the roster. Um, he's just a brilliant, brilliant player. Um, he gets rid of the puck quick. He knows where guys are going to be probably before they even know where they're going to be. Um, he's solid defensively. He's just really good in all three zones. Is he, is he ever going to be a 30-goal scorer? No, we know that. He's a pass first guy to begin with. <laughs> um, but he, but he's just he's just a really, really intelligent player, and the kind of player that Barry Trotz loves to have out there.
0: No doubt about it, Brian. And just before you came on, Chris and I were talking about Andy Green getting inserted to, into the lineup to take over for Johnny Boychuk. How do you like his game next to Nick Letty? And uh, I guess you keep rolling with him, right? Because of the way they've been playing uh, against the Caps so far,
3: yeah, Andy's been great. He's been. Uh, it's really a seamless transition once Johnny went down. And I, I talked to Andy about it the other day. Nobody wants to see anybody get injured, but. Um, You know, the way that he played in an exhibition game against the Rangers, um, it was going to be really tough to keep him out of the lineup. And obviously, you know, Barry went with the guys that got him there. I get it. Um, But once Johnny went down and the way that Andy and Nick have just clicked um, since the start of game two, it was just going to be near impossible to take him out. You know, he said that Johnny's handled this well. He wants to win as well as everybody else. So um, it's just another example of just how tight knit that, that room really is. It's great to see
2: talking with Brian Compton from NHL.com. And, and B-Comp, uh, we, Sean and I were talking about it a little bit before. It seems that the uh, some of the rest of the hockey media and the hockey world have kind of jumped on the Islanders' bandwagon a little bit here with the success of the team. And obviously, P.K. Subban said the, you know, the way the Islanders are playing right now, he could almost see them being in the cup final. As, as, I mean, we're not trying to jump the gun a little bit here, but, but <laughs> out, of my, out of my own curiosity, I wonder where you stand as far as how deep the Islanders can go right now in the playoffs.
3: Well, if this is the way that they're going to play, they're going to be a very, very tough out. I'll say that. Um, I still don't know how they match up against teams like Boston and Carolina. Mm -hmm. Those two teams have always given the Islanders fits. Um, But this is a different group, man. I mean, once, um, you know, having those extra few months for Adam Pellett to heal and for a guy like Pajot to get himself more acclimated and have a training camp with these guys um i've said this to you guys multiple times over the last few months the teams that go far in the playoffs are the teams that are deep down the middle um and i would put these four guys up against anybody still playing in this tournament they are really really deep down the middle um casey's line really wasn't even going against florida they're starting to to get going here against washington so um pajo is a big game player as we've already seen um brock's been great like like i said and um, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more out of Matthew Barzell, to be honest, but if, if he gets going, my goodness, I mean, these guys are going to be a really, really tough out.
0: Yeah, it's, it's great to see, especially with how discouraging the, the, the end of the season was for them, but they really are seeming to fire on all cylinders here. But there's another important piece of the puzzle here, not just those, those deep four centers, but also between the pipes. How about uh, you just discuss a little bit about how Varlamov has performed here, you know, not only against the Panthers, but now here against the Caps.
3: Yeah, he's been good. I wasn't crazy about the first goal to Ovi the other night. Um, That's probably one that he should have had. But then when it was a 3-2 game uh, about, uh, I want to say, seven minutes into the third period, he made a really, really big save against John Carlson to keep it a one-goal game. Uh, And the Islanders just seemed to go from there. Obviously, the the Ovi had that one chance with an open net on the power play a few minutes later. Um, But after that, I think the Caps only had one more chance the rest of the way. So the the guys in front of him are clearly helping him out. Um, but Varley, more often than not, so far has made the big save when he has to, and that's
1: crucial.
2: B-Comp, I was curious. I, I, I kind of asked the guys the other day on the Zoom call this, but I, I was curious your opinion as well about the role that, that Barry Trotz and the coaching staff has in all of this success, too. I, you know, I referenced the uh, quote from John Tortorella the other day about him kind of equating their role as guidance counselors in this whole thing, uh, and I was kind of curious to, to get your take on where you stand on, on where Trotz's role is with the Islanders' success right now.
3: Well, look, it's a good team, but they're not where they are without Barry Trotz. And that goes back to the day that he put his name to a piece of paper. I mean, that's just – he and Lou have just changed everything here. Okay. Um, he's one of the best coaches in the NHL. I know some fans would say the best. That's fine. You can go there. I'm not going to argue with you. But um, they're just so – everything is has been so different. You know this, Christian, since the True. moment he got oh, 100%. here. 100%. It's just been so different in every aspect. So um, – I like what we saw with with the with the forecheck the other night in the, in the in that three minute sequence. I don't think you're seeing that if another person is coaching this hockey team. It's just um, he just oozes confidence in these guys from from one through twenty on the roster. It's really really it's it's you gotta admire the job that he's done. It's crazy.
0: It is a a beautiful sight to see, Brian, but something that's not so pretty right now if we want to nitpick this Islander team here in this return to play. We talk about how dominant they've been five on five, how good defensively they've been. For, For whatever reason, it's not translating on the penalty kill. It seems like... Whenever they gave the Panthers an opportunity, whenever they've given the, the Capitals an opportunity here, pucks are getting into the net. Is this is this a product of a of a poor penalty kill that needs to get it together, or is it more because they're they're up against two teams with a lot of weapons, a lot of offense? Both teams who had you know very uh, high ranked power plays during the regular season. What are you seeing out of that PK?
3: Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both, Shawnee. They they do need to be better on the PK, but at the same time, there there are there have been so many weapons over these first two rounds. Um you know, yeah, hopefully if, if they do advance, they're not going to see a power play like this for a little while. So we'll see how it goes. But um, I think they just need to have a little – they need to win more draws on the PK. That's number one. That's been an issue a little bit. Casey yeah. hasn't had uh, the most success in the circle thus far. And, um, you know, they just got to stay on the box. They did a much better job of that in game two. Um, like you said, they, they've been so good five-on-five. Five. If they can just stay disciplined here throughout the rest of the series, the odds are going to be pretty strong they're going to advance here.
2: I think on the uh, the interesting thing, too, on the flip side has been the power play. And while they don't convert on a lot of power plays, it seems when they do convert on them, they've come up in big moments. I mean, case in point, the other day with Nick Letty scoring the uh, game-tying goal on the power play, like, like I said, they don't score a ton of them, but it seems like they're scoring them in the right moments
3: what a shot too right, I mean, yeah, right? Yeah. Out of nowhere. I mean I think a lot of people were surprised by that rocket um, and I think that's part of it I think they've got to bomb away a little bit more from the point they, they continue to look for the bumper which is great if you can get it off because it's only from 20 feet out um, but with guys like uh, with Pollock and if Letty can, can fire the puck like that um, I think they need to do a better job of getting the puck back to the blue line and firing away there
0: well Brian we're almost an hour away from puck job here on game 3 what do you expect to see out of this game? I mean, you got to figure there's going to be a pushback from the Capitals after going down two we, nothing. We're constantly getting reminded about what they did the year they won the Cup under Barry Trotz. They went down two nothing to Columbus, they rallied back to take that series and eventually the Cup. So, what are you expecting out of the Caps and the Isles for Game Three? Yeah,
3: I mean, it's a cliche, Shawnee, but I think these first ten minutes are we're going to find out a lot about the Caps and where where they are in this tournament because. Um, if the Islanders can jump out to, to an early lead and get the start that they've been looking for and haven't had yet, um, this series could, could, could end way earlier than I think any of us anticipated. Yeah. So, um, and now, you know, the Islanders are quote unquote, the home team today. So Barry's gonna have the last <laughs> change. So right. the fact that they won the first two without that, um, that bodes well, but clearly, uh, we have to, you get the caps have to come out with, with more emotion today. They, they can't, get, you know, they can't be taking trips to the box and giving the Islanders chances on the power play. But um, we're going to find out a lot, a lot about these caps, and I, th- I think, early in this game, the first 10 minutes.
0: No doubt about it, Brian. Well, listen, want to thank you so much for rising early here with us. Join us for a little breakfast at Blue Line. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Enjoy watching the game. We'll talk to you soon.
3: Anytime, guys. Tell Donald I said hello. All the best.
0: <laughs> Will do. Thanks a lot, buddy. All right, folks, that was Mr. Brian Compton, the deputy managing editor over at NHL. And we are live from the Blue Line Deli and Bagels at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, Long Island. we got an hour before the puck drops on Game 3. Great stuff from Brian there, Christian. Let's just piggyback off of that. And, you know, I think, you know, he's right. The Caps are probably going to come out here and and try to light a little fire early. I mean, they had the early goal in Game 2, but... I mean, they, they just haven't been able to get it together against the Islanders five-on-five five, like we saw with the Panthers, too. And, you know, they're going to have to try to, you know, maybe reverse this little situation <laughs> and, and, and get the Islanders maybe hemmed in their zone a little bit. But so far, they've had so much trouble.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, it's interesting, too. Brian, Brian mentioned the the home in a way and away. And, I mean, really, in this circumstance, it matters as little as anything else. And But when you look at the Islanders series, at least this season, uh, back against the Capitals, both teams... Have won their games on the road they haven't won as the home team yeah, quote unquote, it's uh, very interesting which is very strange yeah um, I mean the, it really know, doesn't mean
0: anything but, but yeah, yeah it's a thing it's a, it's a yeah. weird
2: thing right now it means it means virtually nothing at this point because there is really, it's a neutral site game there really is no home and away team it's just the, the the last change when you think about it but still it's just an interesting factoid when you go into the into this game and uh, you look at how things have played out over the last couple of years for the Islanders and the caps uh, at the very least the last uh, year here.
0: Right, right. So let's dive a little bit more into game one as we started to before Brian came on and joined us. So you have that... The fisticuffs, you have the shenanigans going on in the beginning. Uh, it, it pretty much leads to a parade to the penalty box for the Islanders. I believe they ended up taking, what, nine penalties in total for that game? Something like that?
2: Seven, nine, something like that? Something like that, yeah, because they gave the, the Capitals seven power plays. <laughs> there you go. And then they, I think they had a couple extra, like two or two or Quinston element. Lee and um, Carlson both went to the box for roughing, roughing after the hit on, um, right. on Backstrom there. And then uh, there was a fight, you know, Tom Wilson and, and Lee dropped the gloves officially, and right. now they're sent off five minutes for fighting. So, there, I mean, there was about nine penalties for the Islanders uh, total and about seven power plays for the Caps. <laughs>
0: right, and the good news is, you know, the Caps did have those early power plays in the first period. The Islanders weathered the storm. It wasn't until the second period where the Caps started clicking on the power play and they put up those two goals from TJ Oshie. But... You know, I want to go back to kind of what I brought up with Brian, and I, and I feel like from the outset that might have been something that the, the Caps might have been trying to do here was get under the aisle skin and because it kind of worked. You know, you have Matt Martin taking a, an undisciplined penalty up against the board. I think it was an interference call, a little unnecessary. It was avoidable. I feel like maybe uh, the Caps got the, the Isles' adrenaline flowing a little bit there, and they got them off their game. They took them off that five-on-five play. So they, they certainly scouted the Island as well before the game started. Uh, the good news is is that it wasn't enough, and that the Islands were able to weather that, like I mm-hmm. said, and then they were able to kind of turn the table, settle down, play discipline through the, through the second period and into the third, and they end up taking that game over.
2: Yeah, no, and I think it, it goes back to one of the big things we, you know we've been talking about, or people have been talking about for for a better part of this playoffs is just the resiliency of the New York Islanders. And you look at um, it was funny. So I texted, I did text you the other day about the, I don't know if you remember us talking about this, but the person <laughs> who put out the, the ages of the average age of all the teams in the postseason. Right. And so there was actually a reason I was texting you about that. Okay. It wasn't just because I was expand, bored Christian. and I was like, well, I want to find something that interesting. <laughs> sure. It was the fact that perhaps the fact that the Islanders are an older team, older team, and put that in quotes. Sure. But the fact that they're, I guess, they're the all older than st- me. Yeah, they're, they're the <laughs> oldest team in the tournament. Maybe that's that goes to why they've been able to be so resilient over the last couple games. Especially, they have a very mature group. You know, these guys are now veterans. They've been in the league a couple of years. They, uh, for the most part. They all have some sort of playoff experience under their belt yeah. in some fashion or another. Uh, there, you know, there are guys there that have rings uh, from winning cups uh, with with other teams. So that that's huge to have in the locker room. Sure. And so you have that all combining. Plus, you have a, a you know a Barry Trotz behind the bench. Who I agree with B Comp that the Islanders are where they are, and, and a huge part thanks to the system and the, and the coaching yeah, of Barry Trotz. Whether whether Barry Trotz wants down, to, yeah. yeah. Whether Barry wants to take credit for that or not, sure. Um, but that, it's just the reality of the situation. And so you combine that all, and you. I, I think that goes to why this team's been able to be so resilient. They have the maturity. They have the experience. They have the coaching now. Uh, and you combine that, there's just no panic in their game. You see them going down to nothing. There really wasn't a sense of, um, you know, they were annoyed and they weren't happy with what was going on, especially in that first game. But there wasn't really a sense of dread on that bench that you could see uh, you know anyway on the TV I mean we're all kind of watching on TV and get you know kind of a limited glimpse of what's going on but you I, you know I didn't get that sense from that team even going off the ice down to nothing or Christian, 2 1 I should say Christian it's a beautiful thing when you have
0: an ownership group that is committed to icing a competitive team you know on down from the executives to the players on the ice you know the hiring of Lou Amarillo, him bringing in Barry Trotz and and look not to take anything away from previous regimes but I mean, this is just just a new level for the New York Islanders franchise that, that really, like, people like me in my lifetime, I haven't seen. I mean, you know, you talk about the previous ownerships like Charles Wong and, and going on back and whether they weren't willing to put money into the coaching staff, whatever the case may be. Now they're paying tr- tr- Barry Trott's top dollar, and he's delivering hands down, especially with the roster that he has. Mm-hmm. So it, it just speaks to, to how, you know, from it starts at the top, and you can turn a franchise around. And here we are talking about the, the New York Islanders being up 2 nothing on the caps. With a chance to really put a stranglehold in this series,
2: and this is the second year in a row they've had a you know they jumped out to a quick series lead against a team that really everyone expected to kind of handle them pretty easily. So I mean I think there's there's a credit to that too. Even even going back to the qualifying round series, I mean the Islanders really were the underdog in that whole situation as well because a lot of people gave the the Florida Panthers the edge because of the offensive ability that they have on that roster, and this time around and. I've actually I've used your your metaphor that you used I want to say last week about mm. the the um, the old school video games and you know the next boss kind of kind of <laughs> yeah, situation, right? Um, but I, it's it's worked out really well, and I think it's a great it's a great kind of metaphor to use in this situation. The Islanders played a tough team in Florida. Uh, they come in and they're playing a much more complete team in the Washington Capitals. And the, uh, you know, outside of some. Um, You know, less than great play on the penalty kill and the man advantage at times. The Islanders have really played well and dominated in the 5-on-5 game. And they've dominated them because they've just been able to play their style of hockey. And again, it goes back to that coaching. Yeah, and Christian, I have to say, you know, again, you don't want to get ahead of yourself.
0: But the way this is going, it really reminds me of, of last year against the Penguins. Because you have a lot of people that probably took Pittsburgh heading into that series. And you certainly didn't think it was going to be a four-game sweep for the Islanders. (laughs) Absolutely not. But you have some similarities where, you know, the Caps end up – they end up going up in both games. Mm. They take the lead. And I'm pretty sure sure the Penguins did the same thing in the four games, at least three of the four games against the Islanders last
2: year, where the Islanders had to fight back. I know for a fact games three and four in Pittsburgh, the Islanders gave up the first two goals early. And then you had Jordan Eberle and Brock Nelson – Leading the charge the other way, and then they got a couple quick goals back, and they just they just took the Penguins right out of the game, and yeah. they deflated their n- entire game plan. And that's the similarity that I'm seeing here.
0: And perfectly, you bring up Jordan Everly because we're we're seeing playoff Jordan Everly again. <laughs> He's, I mean, that goal he scored in in Game One was huge. I mean, they were they were pretty close to going going into the third period of that game down two nothing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, I guess he catches Braden Holpe a little off guard. He yeah. cuts across there, puts the shot on. Definitely definitely something that should have ended up in Holpe's glove. It doesn't. It goes off the glove. It goes in the net. Gives the Islanders life. And they play. They From there on, they play that cool, calm, collected game that they've been playing here under Barry Trotz. They take the game over. And the third period is just a work of art. They come back, they tie the game early with that Andes is legal, uh-huh. and, and then they pretty much clamp it down after they get the lead, and there you go, game one to the aisle.
2: Yeah, no, and I, I mean, the, Brian was talking about the top line and, and them getting going, especially in the, in the last game, and I mean, that's such a huge thing in this, in this series, I should say. Uh, that's such a big thing because the Islanders are going to need all, those, all four lines. You see now, it, it's funny, I, I, last week um, you know, we were talking, and I said, uh, you know, this this is not an Islanders team that's going to win these games 5-2, 4-2, two, two, and here they are. They're winning these games 5-2, 4-2, <laughs> yeah. two, two, and just right. making me look like a fool. But you look at the offense. <laughs> it's easy to do. That's true. That's very <laughs> easy to do. It's not that hard. But you look at the offense, and you now have that top line going. You have the uh, the yes. boa and the second yes. line going. and they, they haven't stopped since the start of the postseason. Right, um, right. The third line has continued to look look strong, you know, um, Broussard and Pajot, you got, you know. Um, and then the fourth line is they're, they're doing exactly what you need them to do. They're throwing the body around. They're being physical. They're creating some opportunities as well. Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck getting on the score sheet the other game, I mean, that's, that's a rarity. And, and I, you know, we were watching the game together over at Oyster Bay uh, Brewing company and, and I said to you you don't lose a game that Matt Martin scores a goal cuz it's just it happens so infrequently <laughs> and you you just know things must be going really well when he's he's getting his name on the score on the on the game sheet and it's not for a fight right and and just before we
0: move on to game 2 I just wanted to also point out I mean, look, the, the game-winning goal, shorthanded, great effort by Brock Nelson yes. to pounce on the puck there in the corner. A little miscommunication between Holpe and Ovechkin. Nelson pounces, make, makes a great play, who is also my X-Factor for this series, by the way. I <laughs> just want to remind everybody. But he makes a great pass to Bailey, and he just deposits it right into the opposite corner. And there you go. They, they get the lead. They clamp it down. They take the win. And we can move on to game two now. And, and give me another perfect segue because I think – game two was, was kind of the coming-out party for the fourth line. Where, you know, like, look, they had been doing their job previously to that, but, I mean, they were extremely noticeable. Yes, they had two goals. They had one going off Clutterbuck's glove. You have the great tip-in by Matt Martin. But I think we really saw the identity of that identity <laughs> line, you know, in that game where, you know, you had shifts where they were just – You know, keeping the caps, you know, hemmed in their own zone, banging bodies, you know, chipping away at them. They end up getting rewarded with the goals. And look, it's you're not going to get all four lines going every game. And you know, when you see that second half of game two, that might have been really like the first sign of this this team really firing on all cylinders. So if they can keep that going, the outlook's real good. Going into these uh, next couple of games here,
2: without a doubt, and I mean again, you, you pinpoint a moment in these games where where you really just see the Islanders at their best, and and uh, you know we've been talking about it at length, really this entire show, and then again is that sequence in the third period where the Islanders hemmed the, the Caps into their own zone for, you know, two three minutes there, and it, it was just incredible hockey, and then, like B Comp was saying earlier when we when we had him on, you just I, I don't think, I mean, uh, you know, I'm a lot younger than him, but I don't think <laughs> I've seen anything like that in, in a game in a long time. So that that, that was an incredible sequence, and in the fact that the Honors are able to do that, they're able to, again, dominate the five on five game. And, um, even cashing in, you know the the power plays. That's that's huge. Getting those power play goals at the ro- right moments. Look, no, we all know that the Islanders are not an offensive team uh, in the traditional sense, where they're going to put up a ton of goals. I, again, I say that as they've scored five goals <laughs> right. in the first. They scored right. nine goals to the first four. You know, two games of the series. But yeah. traditionally, we, we all know, especially sure. this, this there's two empty netters in there. Yeah, yeah. so. Um, insurance goals help, man. Insurance goals help, but sure. but you look at that; they're getting the goals at the right time. They're getting the the, the points at the right moment because, again, that Nick Letty goal doesn't happen. Uh, on, uh, if It doesn't happen on the power play right there. Maybe it's a different game. You know, the, the momentum's not necessarily going in the Islanders' favor.
0: Right, and you know, I think it was Butch Goring on the broadcast was saying it was even a little surprising to see Letty take that shot because usually he's looking past on that power play setup. He takes that shot, and it's funny you watch the replay. The slow mo replay, and you just kind of see the seas parting. It's just the right (laughs) moment for the puck to find its way, you know, into the net. I mean, it was just a perfectly timed, perfectly aimed shot. It goes in, so that's that's a great confidence booster for Letty.
2: The definition right there of a seeing-eye wrist shot.
0: Yeah, without without. Well, it was a slap shot. Slap shot. shot. (laughs) Sorry, whatever. You know, semantics. But but yes, jeez,
2: gonna get real technical on me.
0: But but yeah, I mean, you're seeing the power play clicking more than expected. I mean, that's kind of the funny thing. Like, going into this return to play, I thought we were going to see a more successful penalty kill mm. and a more struggling power play, and it actually the roles have reversed where the power play is, has been a little more than serviceable. I mean, look, it's a very small sample size, but the, the percentage has been pretty, you know, pretty respectable here through what, what's it been uh, four six games, whatever it's been. So, you know, that's, it's promising to see. Hopefully they can get the PK going a little bit more. But, look, stay out of the box. Just yeah. stop taking penalties, and yeah. then you don't got to worry about it because your game on 5-on-5 five five is excellent.
2: And, and that's what they did. Look, the Islanders talked a lot about between Game 1 and Game 2 about the penalty kill, and, and Scott Mayfield, it was really interesting. Barry Trotz was the first one to talk between Game 1 and Game 2 uh, uh, on the off day, or on the practice day, I should say. And, you know, Barry was like, the PK did pretty good, da, 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 da. And Scott Mayfield goes, the PK's got to be better ek has got it, you know. He was he, and he went through the the like a laundry list of stuff. He's like, not to say it was bad, but yeah. you know, this needs to be better. This needs to be better. And and to their credit, they they cleaned up a lot in the second in the second game, just from a discipline standpoint. And then on the penalty kill. Um, they cleaned up a lot, and they looked very good. And so when you can keep a Capitals team like that to two power plays in a game, when you can keep them to keep them scoreless, and, and granted, you know, um, some of their big scores have found the back in that T.J. Oshie in the first game and Alex Ovechkin in the second right. game, but still, you've limited basically the Capitals' entire offense to two guys for the most part between the, fir- the first two games. Yeah. Uh, no. and, and that's huge.
0: No, look, the Islanders keep the edge in this series if they can stay out of the box. We've, we've seen it, you know, time and time again here through these games here. It, at five-on-five five play, they're just clicking. Yeah. They're, they're playing their game. But, folks, with that being said, we've got to take one more quick break. I want to remind you to tune in live or for the archives at HockeyNightNY.com. We're coming at you live right now from the Blue Line Deli and Bagels at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. We have a line out to the door right now looking to get served some breakfast, some lunch, so good things going on here. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. When it comes to Long Island hockey swag, no one does it better than Yes Men Outfitters. The independent lifestyle brand born on the island to support the game, the team, and the players you love. If orange and blue are your team colors, visit YesMenOutfitters.com for a wide selection of themed shirts, hats, hoodies, and newly added masks and tumblers. All apparel is designed and created in-house with the same passion and dedication as your favorite team on the ice. So upgrade your wardrobe and show off your pride today by visiting YesMenOutfitters.com. And don't forget to use promo code H-N-I-N-Y for 15% off your order. Yes Men Outfitters, stick to the system. Did you have a nice break? Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders Therapy with Shawnee and C. Arnold on Hockey Night in New York.
2: This is hockey night in New York. Christiano <laughs> and Sean. I, I mean, you're the guy who—he's Sean's making fun of me. I'm supposed to bring us back. He doesn't turn the microphones on. He's <laughs> supposed to be the board up. Come on, we get it together. You know, I got distracted by the the gritty the gritty doll oh. in the in the middle of the counter there. Can I can I just <laughs> say that, I mean there's so many great uh great hockey decor in Blue and Deli and Bagel yeah. down here in, in Huntington. No But question. my favorite piece uh, in this building is hundred percent the gritty doll that's up on the counter right where Which you is a little order. controversial because I mean we can't really appreciate flyer stuff too much. No, I do. I don't yeah. care. I appreciate everything. <laughs> it's I love gritty. I don't care what anyone says, he's my favorite master scott uh, and he is hilarious I, I gotta say he does a good job and he does give <laughs> sparky a run for his money he does yeah. let's, let's I, give credit
0: where it's due i, I appreciate but we're, we're an
2: islander centric uh, yeah, show I, here i appreciate <laughs> all that sparky does i'm not taking anything away from it. we were talking about game two it's funny sean you mentioned game two we've been talking about it for the last little bit and you know, we went down to Oyster Bay Brewing Company to watch Game yes, 2. Yes, we did. Um, they a great time there. We met a couple of your friends there. That's right. Watched the game a so little bit. So it's true,
0: folks. I do have those. Yes. I, I, I did not believe hired. It.
2: I <laughs> didn't believe it. I didn't think they actually existed. And, we, you know, we got to try, try a lot of great beer. Of course, they're well-known for their uh, Barn Rocker Ale, which was just phenomenal. We tried the... Um, the Honey Ale. The, su- the Summer Peach was Summer great. Peach is was excellent. That was be- our, our Beer of the Week last week for our, um, our Hero of the Week. That that's, right. That's um, right. So certainly I would 100% recommend if you can get down there, go check out Oyster Bay Brewing Company. And if you can't, you can order uh, their beer and their merchandise on the website. That's uh, OysterBrayBrewingCompany.com. dot com. And if you use the promo code H-N-I-N-Y, you will get 15% off That's your right. entire purchase. So definitely give them a uh, a, a check out online, or go out and, and have a couple of beers there and watch an Islander game, uh, or definitely come down to Blue Line Deli and Bagel here in Huntington, New York, not too far away from where I actually grew up, and grab some great food. Donnie was nice enough to treat us to some uh, breakfast sandwiches before yes, we he started did. the show, and yes, they were he did absolutely phenomenal, fantastic, a little phenomenal. bacon, egg, and cheese. And it was a, it was a great yeah. way to start the day i was, was nice. 100% getting lunch highly before recommended we, folks before we head out highly out recommended here. yeah it's it's been great <laughs> but game 2, game uh, two. go back going back to game 2 with the with the owners absolutely phenomenal game 5 on 5 again they dominated and then um, you just look at the play all around. It's exactly what the Islanders needed, and exactly the style of play that the Islanders needed to get to get back to. And, and really, the biggest surprise for me, anyway, was the fact that it really wasn't about the the rough stuff in Game Two. There really wasn't that much carryover from a lot of the a lot of the talk after Game One. I mean, you kind of expected the Caps to come out a little more fired up, considering yeah. they were had all their their feathers ruffled because of the hit by Anders Lee on uh, on Nicholas Backstrom. And like I said before, look, the, was it an interference call? Yeah. Was was it anything more than that? No. And right. I, I, I agree with B Comp. You know, Tom Reardon's probably going out there and defending his guys and, you know, trying to keep Dude, his team in the game and locked that's in. The, that's it, the but game it's so that they play. Stupid. It's like, so dumb. Like, if, if
0: you remember Paul Maurice yeah. after the incident with Kachuk, you know, yeah. in that opening round, you know, you had his skate cut uh, Shifley. Right. You know, and he says, oh, it's absolutely without a doubt intentional. I mean, you got to remember, guys, this game is played at such a fast pace. Now, granted, the Kachuks have a little bit of a reputation, <laughs> let's be honest. Just a tad, just a tad. But was he able to, you know, intentionally cut the guy with a skate like that? I mean, I, f- I certainly hope not, but I-, I think it's a little difficult to, to say without a doubt. But, until- but to-, to my point, it, though, yeah. is that this is-, this is the game that the coaches yes. play. I've seen Barry Trotz do it when he was coaching the Caps. You know, when think about all the times Barry Trotz probably had to defend Tom Wilson, right? For all the questionable stuff he does, That's but true. this is what they do. That's true. Like, and, and it's and it's hilarious because you look at the reputation a guy like Wilson has. You look at all the things he does, and and then Todd Reardon has the nerve to say that, you know, Andrews Lee's hit was predatory. Right? right? Look, I'm not. Look, it's I just mean, a game. It's, it's all a game. Yeah.
2: It's. I think it's silliness. I think. I think at the end of the day, uh, the fact that they say this and they think that, you know, people believe it as a hundred percent kind of. Uh, uh, you know, a reality I think is a little silly, but also, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get on a guy like. Uh, look, Tom Wilson had nothing to do with with this whole Lee thing. I saw a lot of fans throw that out there, and I was like, look, it's it's two different things. Like, yes, Wilson is a is an idiot, and he does a lot of stupid <laughs> things. Kyle Poso put You're it not wrong. Kyle Poso put it very well when he called Tom Wilson an idiot in 2015, and that hasn't changed in the last <laughs> right. ten in five years. So, yeah, um, that's certainly not, uh, certainly true. But in this circumstance, Tom Wilson's stupidity had nothing to do with what was going on with Anderson. Well, that
0: unfortunately, hit. I think we're going to see more of it. Uh, you know what?
2: I don't know. Like, I, if there was any game that was going to be where we were going to see that, especially right after the first game and the physicality of that, I, I would have said it was going to be game two. And we just didn't see any of that.
0: Well, and that played into the Islanders' hands because it prevented that parade to the penalty box that we saw in game one, which is why I would not be surprised if the Caps come out physical in this game three and you get a guy like Tom Wilson maybe, you know, doing something you know, a little uh, bendy of the rules, something like that, or just, you know, trying, I, trying to rile the Islanders up to goad them into taking penalties of their own.
2: Look, if they're up 3-0 in the series, uh, you know, all bets are off. I think that's really when you start to see Tom Wilson really trying to implement his, his, his style of play, if you will. Um... Because it does, you're right, it ruffles feathers, it gets under the skin a lot, of, a lot of guys. And, you know, you hate Tom Wilson unless he's on your team. There's no doubt about it. Um, but the Islanders have their own Tom Wilson in the making, apparently, and, and Ross Johnson. And, <laughs> you know, I found well. it interesting that, that Trotz has opted to keep him out of this series, and he'll do so again in Game 3, and we'll be interested see in seeing Game 4 if that's the same same circumstance. But it's certainly uh, been interesting, especially knowing the, the physicality that these series usually have. The Islanders, Game 1 certainly had it, Game 2 did not. Uh, yeah. Game three, we're going to find out. Well, but... I,
0: don't, I don't blame Trotz for sticking with the roster. Look, if it ain't broke, you know, yeah. don't no, no, fix no, it, sure. right?
2: And, 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 and um, Leo Komarov is great on the, on the penalty kills. You know, say what, he, say what you want about him up front and what he does offensively, hey. but that's not his job. You know, He Komarov's had a lot to, to do is... with
0: that magic in the third period.
2: Yeah. He was, you know, he made that dish to the
0: front of the yeah. net, leading to uh, Matt Martin's goal, I believe, so... I mean, he's he's going to be a controversial figure on this team. Not everybody loves him. He obviously has his limitations. He not he's not going to wow you, but you look at the job that he did in game two, and and I think he he earned himself a right for people to say, you know what, I get it. Yeah, keep yeah, him in for game three. It,
2: but it's the it's the same thing. You know, it's the same thing we talk about a little bit with Josh Bailey, and we were talking about Josh Bailey before with B Comp, and I want to circle back because I think that you look at how Bailey played, and it's just been phenomenal. Um, Game in and game out. And he's, he does it quietly. He does it with such um, humbleness, and he does it with such, you know, with little flash, and that's fine. But right. you look at what he does, and he really does bring a, a, something special to the Islanders roster that, uh, that a lot of people are realizing now or starting to realize.
0: He does. He does. And I feel like we're going to be talking about him in a, in a little bit here. But just to, to wrap up the talk on Game 2, you know, outside of that soft goal by Varley in the in the beginning of the game and the slow start by the team, I mean, it's it's a pretty well rounded effort. By the yeah. time you get to the second 100%. half, you like what they 100%. did there, and um, I just want to give a shout to to Scotty Mayfield for having himself a game. The, the, the Islanders' defense as a whole, but uh, he makes that step. You know, he steps he steps up to, to actually. I think it was him who led to the Matt Martin goal. I made a mistake. It was it was it was uh, Kamrov was was involved in another goal. But you have, you know, Mayfield stepping in from the blue line, dishes to the front. Matt Martin makes that deflection, puts it in, and the Islanders are are going on, uh, you know, all cylinders there. So, so uh, big shout out to to Scott Mayfield. And, and look, if they continue to play this way, the D continues to clamp down. Uh, I think, like Brian Compton said, this may end up being a shorter series than we expected.
2: Yeah. Look, I, I think. Uh, uh, you know, we were talking about it before, and, and uh, obviously, we're not counting the, our chickens before they hatch, but certainly the Islanders have proven these first two, first six playoff games. Uh, between the between the two games against the Cavs and between the f- uh, four game uh, yeah four games four games against the yeah. Florida Panthers it's <laughs> yes. all blending together. it yeah. so long, yeah, yeah. Um, it's all happening very fast, yeah. Uh, but but uh, they've shown I think we saw it in the, at the beginning of the year during the regular season. But they've shown they can compete and they can find ways to win against any team. And it goes back to really the composure level that they have as a as a as a group and as a team. And it goes back to just the style of hockey that they play and their success when they're able to roll all four lines. Um, because all four lines buy into the same Barry Trout system, and that's—I think—that was even uh, kind of emblematic in the first round or the qualifying round. I'm going to keep calling. <laughs> it's the first okay, round. buddy. It's all right. We know what you mean. And. <laughs> Even when the top line wasn't going offensively, I think you really saw, saw a, a real growth from their game as far as the defensive side of it and the two-way because even Matt Barzell, his, his two-way game has come so far beyond yeah. where it was even even a year ago that um, that's such a huge thing. And then, and then obviously you can get the scoring from elsewhere, uh, which the Islanders have been able to do. Yeah. Uh, but now that you kind of have everybody going in, in both directions, I mean, this this team is formidable.
0: Yeah, and and that's a key, too, and we, we said it going into this series that the first line was going to have to be a little more noticeable. They flew under the radar in that first series against Florida. They didn't really show up until the last game or so, and you have Barzell flying out there. He's making himself known. Lee, obviously, gets that huge goal in game one. He gets an empty netter. Uh, I, think, I think he had both empty netters, right? He had game one and game two was empty netter? I, no, uh, Pajot had Pazzo game had, one. Yeah. So, anyway, he's putting goals up on the board. That line is noticeable. We're getting, we're getting goals out of Jordan Everly, so that's great to see. But here's one... I suppose potential encouraging thing here is even with all these good things being said, we haven't seen a full 60-minute game out of this team yet against the Caps. I mean, it's pretty much been like give or take... You know, 30-minute efforts here. Yeah, you know, they I mean, slow out of the gate, and then they pick it up in the second
2: half. I would even say maybe, uh, you know, 40-minute efforts, 40, 50-minute efforts. Sure. I don't, th- I don't think they played terrible in the first 10 minutes of the first period either. Like, you know, it, 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 what happened in the first was what is what it was. What it was and they turned it on yeah. earlier in game two. Yeah. Game one, it took them a little while Game longer. one, I mean, that was yeah. like a good t- 22 minutes, really, sure. uh, from the Islanders, and then a rough kind of— whatever 38 that is. Sure. Right? My math is correct. I'm not a great math. We'll, we'll, we'll it. It's fine.
0: It's fine. Nobody's keeping
2: track. <laughs> but, yeah, so, I mean, like, that that's has to be really encouraging, too, because the game they come out and they play a full 60 minutes, I mean, that's going to be the game where they just look like the best team in the world. I bet, I bet. if you just go off by what we've been seeing yeah. in these first two games and, the, you know, the, the – the previous rounds playoff games as well. I mean, the Islanders just are going to look phenomenal when they get when they get a full sixty minute effort.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the sort of thing that has guys like PK Subban saying that he could see the Islanders make their way to the Cup final because the Caps are one of those teams where you talk about you know who's got a shot to come out of the East. The Caps are in that conversation. They're part of that group. You know, you got Boston, you got Tampa, and they're probably the, the top tier, right? But then you, then you look at, you know, the Caps. You know, they're right there. Some people thought the Penguins, <laughs> they didn't get very far. But, but, again, this is a team that's well-rounded. They have a lot of weapons. They don't have the def- deficiencies on defense like the Panthers have. And you see the Islanders taking care of business here in the first two games, and you know, all of a sudden, you, you get a little excited about what the Islanders might be able to do as far as a, a deeper run into the playoffs.
2: Yeah, no, that's. Uh, I mean, that's rev- very, well said, and I think that that's I, 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 again, it just it comes down to a lot of what we've seen from the Islanders and from uh, the system. And you know, I, I, I go back. We were talking a little bit about coaching. I, I, you know, I kind of agree with the fact that this, this like I said, this team is just not where they are if it wasn't for Barry Trotz and. You've just seen a total overhaul of how this team plays based on the system that he's implemented.
0: Yes, and with that, Christian, it's time for the Hero of the Week. And there were some heroes here on the New York Islanders that played very well in these first two games against the Washington Capitals. And Christian, I went first last week, so I'm going to send it over to you,
2: pal. You look at these two games, who is your New York Islanders Hero of the Week? Yeah, I mean, I think that... For me, it's going to be Josh Bailey. You look at the way that Josh Bailey played in, the, in, this, in this round, uh, Look, I, and we were just talking about Josh Bailey before, he doesn't get the credit he deserves, and I think that, he, A, he gets the big goal in, in game one to, to give the Islanders their lead, and that becomes the game-winning goal. Um, but more importantly, and I think that I, I wrote about this the other day on, on nyihockeynow.com, where you have him being so smart and being one of the best playmakers on the team, if not the best playmaker, uh, and such a strong hockey IQ. You look at what he did on that goal for Bovilla, and I feel like a lot of people kind yeah, of that saw was and excellent. took notice. Yeah, and it was just the smart play by by Bailey, and it was the fact that he, you know, he takes the shot. First of all, Bailey doesn't do that a lot to begin with. You know, he's, he's and speaking guy. of great
0: playmakers, that was a nice little dish from Barsal to get to him.
2: that was too. But looking at Bailey, there, he gets the shot, he gets his own rebound, and instead of where some guys are taking that shot and just giving the second effort, the rebound, the second effort, he sees that Beauvillier, has the awareness that Beauvillier is right yeah, there. Very poised, a very little patient, quick yeah. dish over, just like a flick, to set up that goal. I mean, that was phenomenal. And I think that, again, that was really the perfect example of just the, the prowess that he has when he has the puck and uh, the awareness he has for the guys around him.
0: Well, Christian, I, I would love to disagree with you, but uh, I'm actually going to agree with you. So the the hero of the week... Brought to you by the Oyster Bay Brewing Company Beer of the Week. That is going to be the great honey ale. As Christian mentioned before, we did sample it on Friday night when we hung out there for Game 2. Smooth, easy-to-drink golden ale made with the finest ingredients. And a little nugget on that, Christian, made with local honey from Beehaven in Locust Valley, New York. Did you know that? I did not. How about that?
2: I learned something just now.
0: So, folks, I'm going to agree with Christian here. Josh Bailey is your unanimous Hero of the Week and, you know, Christian said it best. I don't really have to repeat anything he said. But, look, he had, he had a good, quiet series against the Panthers, too. I mean, he had a point per game. It was all pretty much assists. Yeah,
2: yeah that's the thing, too. Like, uh, I mean, he already matched. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. But he already okay. matched his playoff total going into game uh, uh, between, through the first um, six games here. Five games, six games, whatever mm. it was. Um, five games at that point. Uh, he had already matched his, his entire postseason total last from last year in eight games. With the, with the six that he had through the first five.
0: Yeah, and look, <laughs> you know, it's funny because I, I almost feel like, you know, Bailey just needs that extra little, you know, defense as far as on this show or just an Islander, Islander country in general. Now, thankfully, you know, people have laid off him a little bit more over the years, but he used to he used to catch the ire of Islander fans for, for, for a long time, and, 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 you know, a lot of it was kind of unjustified. And, but you still see some of the detractors now. I still see on Twitter some people giving out about Bailey. It doesn't make sense to me just seeing the player that he's turned into, and especially under Barry Trotz, but even before then. But, you know, even if he's not scoring a big goal, he's always making these, these great like you said, high IQ plays, and he's setting up setting up big goals like Paviliers. And I think you know this guy deserves a lot more credit than he's gotten from Islander fans over the years. And he's a big part of why they've been successful so far through the postseason here. And let's not forget, he was the big hero in Game One against the Penguins last year with that overtime That's goal. Right. So right. He he plays a big role on this team, whether you <laughs> whether you like him or not. And look, the top six you would say is is missing a little bit of weapons as it is. So. I think it's a really good thing that Josh Bailey is part of it, and you see what he's been doing so far, and 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 I think he's going to continue to be a play a big role on this team through however uh, however far this team goes in this playoff run.
2: Oh, without a doubt, I th- I think we've seen it already, and we're going to see it uh, continue. It's not going to be anything flashy. It's not going to be, um, you know, some of these big game moments sometimes. But I, I think in this instance, that's that's not a bad thing. You're going to see some quiet, real big contributions from Josh Bailey, and that's a that's a, that's a big boost to have on the Islanders roster. And it's a big boost too for Bovillier and Brock, uh, you know, Anthony Bovillier and Brock Nelson, who have had phenomenal series as well. Uh, playoffs yeah. Really. Yeah. And now that you add a guy like, like Josh Bailey, and, um, you know, these guys will talk about it night and day, uh, just how great it is to have him on the wing and a guy that's, you know, a true playmaker. I mean, you go back to, um, you know, when I talk about Josh Bailey, I go back all the way to when he was playing alongside number 91, when he was here. And, they, you know, people said, oh, he's a product of 91, da-da-da-da-da. And I think you're seeing, well, yeah. his production dropped off a bit. I'll give him that. Sure. Or not even a bit, but a little bit. Um, you're seeing, you're still seeing the strong playmaking ability that, that 91 talked about when he was here. And, you know, he said it, you know, to his blue in the face. that right. Josh Bailey is a great playmaker. And, and we've seen it night in and night out. And
0: you can't even say he's riding Matt Barzell's coattails because he's not playing on his line. Yeah. He's getting things done playing with Brock Nelson, and Anthony Beauvillier. I mean, they have been... The top line for this team so far through these six games, heading you know in the in this return to play here, yeah. which is great. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit of '93, where it wasn't the terjan line right. carrying yeah. carrying the yeah. Islanders. That was Ray Ferraro, yes. Ray Ferraro's line. So a little little history there, <laughs> working back to to some better times for the Islanders, which is not
2: a bad thing when I mean, they made a conference final. Yeah, exactly. That's not a bad thing. Just an update for uh, game three, heading into it, the teams have hit the uh, hit the ice for warmups. They're just crossing the eleven thirty mark. Here, and Nicholas Backstrom is not taking warmups for the Washington ah. Capitals. So it looks like he will not be in the lineup for the second straight game okay. against the Islanders after the hit by Anders Lee in game one. So no Nicholas Backstrom on the ice for warm-up, So it looks like he will not play in game three.
0: Okay, great little live update there from Christian. Way to be on top of that. We're proud of you for that. <laughs> so let's just talk a little bit about game three here before we wrap things up. Uh, we touched on it a little bit. I, I you gotta figure the caps are gonna come out flying to start this game. They're gonna try to get on the island this early. I mean, even though the first goal hasn't worked out well for them in games one and two, obviously that's gonna be a big part of those early five minutes here, pouncing on the islands, trying to get that first goal and maybe just get under their skin a little bit to uh see a little more see some guys going back to the box like they were in game one.
2: Yeah, no, I mean that it's it, it, it's going to be what? 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 You just said it's going to be the Capitals trying. Sorry, I was trying to gain my train of thought there as, as I was tweeting. But excellent analysis. <laughs> but no, you're not wrong. It's a. It's a good point. The Capitals are going to do what the Capitals. Wanted to do in the first game, and that was sure. take the Islanders off their game, and that was send them to the box, to re- recreate the the penalty parade that they had in Game One, and certainly take advantage of any power play opportunities. Look, the Islanders uh, did a great job of limiting those chances in the first in the second game, not the first game that was brutal, um, but the second game they did a great job, and that and they'll try and continue to do that. But the Capitals certainly are going to want to come out with a lot more jump in their game and a lot more physicality because, you know, they, they got a little taste of it in, this, in the first game where they saw the Islanders get thrown a little bit. And, and they right. took some silly penalties. And they, yep. they kind of want to force them to do that again. Uh, and that'll be that'll be a big thing, as long as the Islanders can stay disciplined, which they did very a very good job in game two. Um, and really, after some of the shenanigans early on, they got it together in, in game one. So certainly that's the, the game plan from both sides.
0: Sure, and something I have to give you a little bit of credit for, when we previewed this series you talked about the goaltending matchup between Varlamov and Holpe. Yeah, funny how that worked out, huh? <laughs> funny and, how that and worked yeah, out. No, I'm giving you credit, man. You said that the Isles had the advantage of Varlamov. I thought it was going to be a little more even, but certainly through these first two games, Holpe has been a little shaky back there for the Caps, and it has been a distinct advantage for the Islanders uh, so far. And, look, if that continues, I think that just obviously will bode well for the Isles here again.
2: Yeah, you're welcome. I, I, told, I, told you, I bring a lot to the show, and, I mean, right there is, is proof in the pudding. I mean, it was that was spot-on analysis. Christian, sometimes <laughs> you get it right. Not always. A lot. A but lot. but when right
0: you do, lot. I give you credit begrudgingly. No, I got it right. I don't like to dole it out all the time. <laughs> but uh, you're right. I mean, there's, there, there's been a clear distinct – you know, again, aside from that first goal in game two, I think Varlamov has been very steady. And he's made some big saves. Like Brian Compton said, he's made the big save when he's had to. Yes. And he's certainly given the Islanders a chance to win every game he's been in since they, they came to return to play here. And, uh, you know, he, he, he maybe doesn't have the same big personality as Robin Leonard did. And the fans, you know, really endeared themselves to him last year. But you look at the the work that Varlamov has done, not only in the in the regular season, but very specifically now we're seeing what kind of playoff performer Semyon Varlamov is, and he's been excellent so far in the first six games.
2: Yeah, and that's that's uh, you know a credit again to the goaltending coaches that the Islanders have. They've looked Varlamov uh, you know struggled a bit coming off of his last contract coming to the island, uh, and he's gotten it together and he's he's looked very good in the postseason. The Islanders have gotten exactly what they needed out of him, and granted they, that um, you know they're not the they, Capitals and the one thing we, we failed to touch on really, and I think it's interesting too, is the fact that the Islanders have kept the Caps to, uh, kept an opponent in the playoffs below thirty shots this entire time in the postseason. Yeah, so that is huge. So not only is Varlamov playing well, but he's playing well in games where he's not really getting a ton of work. Right, and for goaltenders, that can be kind of a, a struggle sometimes sure, too sure, because absolutely. you sit there, you get a little stiff. You know, you maybe you're not. Uh, as tuned in as you as you need to be at certain points, and give him credit—he's managed to really stick with it, and he's looked he's looked uh, very good when the Islanders needed him, and he's made a couple big saves when the when the Islanders really needed him to come up with one, uh, especially in those first two games against the Caps.
0: Yeah, it's it's all very promising, all very encouraging. I see no reason why. I mean, unless the Caps can really get under the aisle skin here, I mean, I think they just keep playing this this steady, stable. You know, no. No real hesitation hockey here, where even when they give up the first goal, even the first two in some cases, they stick to their game plan, they eventually battle back, they take the game over, so if we keep seeing that same game out of the Islanders in game three today, we might be looking at a potential elimination game coming up this week.
2: Which is, I mean, again, I'm not trying to, you know, count the chickens before you, but certainly, certainly a reality of the situation right now for the Islanders, they're in as good a spot as anyone to, to to be in that spot, and and they're also which I didn't I didn't realize we were talking at Oyster Bay in front of they are the first team in, in the Eastern Conference in the playoffs to go up two zero in a series, which I that's right. didn't even realize. So that's also an incredible feat considering yeah. the number of teams that the good number of good teams that are in the postseason still.
0: No question about it. I mean, every other series started out one one, so the Isles have a little bit of a leg up here on the caps. And I guess another silly thing boding well for them is that I said it last week, they're the Kings of noon. They won two out of three uh, afternoon starts against the Florida Panthers. I don't know if that's going to play any kind of role today. But here we are with another 12 noon game. And, you know, maybe the Islanders are a little used to that because of the scheduling that the NHL gave them during that opening round. So we'll see how it
2: goes. Well, also you have You have a situation where that, that, I mean, obviously that's kind of a a big thing for for fans and for teams during the regular season under normal circumstances. But considering there is, um, this is not normal, teams are literally staying in hotels across from the arena. There's really no issue with them showing up at noon or, or, you know, 3 o'clock or 8 o'clock, or whatever the case may be. The the advantage actually might be is the owners get the freshest seat of ice when they play. Those early games. Right, that is a true. huge a good point. huge advantage. So, that's a it's a big thing for the Islanders and a big thing for, for both teams, really. And, and, like I said, the fact that there's no travel, there's no, you know, the teams aren't flying in the night before and then waking up at 10 after, you know, getting into the hotel room at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, so, there's a huge difference when you go to bed, you wake up in the same hotel room you've literally been in for the last month and a half, um, and there's no real travel or anything you have to do to be ready for a noon game.
0: Indeed, sir. And with that, Christian. Before we wrap here, do you have a prediction for di- today's tilt against the Caps? No. You- <laughs> no. No, you have nothing. No, to say. I think I, it's.
2: <laughs> I just, I this mess guy, with. huh? I wanted <laughs> I mean, to mess seriously. with him a little bit. No, I think I think you look at the way the Islanders played, and you look at yeah, I, I'm going to pick the Islanders. I, I feel like I'd be taking right. my life into you're, my own hands right yeah, now if I didn't pick the right Islanders. Yeah. But I will say, I think the Islanders take it. Uh, I think this is the game where it's actually you know a three-two final. Tight game. Uh, yeah, I tight think we're going to see a tight game. Yeah. Much much tighter than the, than the second game, at least when it comes to the Capitals' effort. And I think that's you'll see the Islanders win and we'll be up 3-0. The Islanders will be up 3-0. Oh,
0: I heard a we in there, Christian. I, I, uh. I, it was not what I was trying to do.
2: Um, it was not what I was trying to do there. But I, uh, you, I'm you, i sitting here next to you. I just get, you know, I get I, You're off.
0: flustered. I get it. But before we go, hey, folks, oh, yeah. any chance we can get a Let's Go Islanders chant going here before we Let's close the show out? let Islanders! Let's go, let's hear it, let's hear it. Let's go, Islanders. Love it. Folks, that is your that is your Island Fan crowd here at Blue Line Delhi. Once again, we have a line. Out to the door, out of the door, door. and it's pretty much been the case ever since the show started. So love seeing all you Islander fans coming out to the Blue Line Deli and Bagels here at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, Long Island. They have fantastic food. The staff is aces. They're all wonderful people, very friendly, very helpful. The food is fresh. The food is great. If you haven't been here yet, get yourself on down, whether you live near or far. They're doing great stuff over here at the Blue Line Deli and Bagels. We want to thank them so much for hosting us here today. Uh, it's been phenomenal, and uh, huge thanks to them. But with that, Christian, I think we can wrap up here, yeah, right, Pat? Yeah, no, I think we've Get ready for the game. everything, yeah. Sounds good. So, folks, with that, I want to send a big thanks to Brian Compton of NHL.com for joining us earlier in the show. Huge thanks to Oyster Bay Brewing Company for presenting the show today. They are the creator of the Born Rocker Sessionale and official partner of the New York Islanders. Remember, you can stop on over at 36 Audrey avenue in oyster bay for great libations and great times and if you can't make it down to hang out remember you can order their great beers brewery and barn rocker merchandise at oysterbaybrewing.com for curbside pickup local delivery or shipping anywhere in new york and if you use coupon code h-n-i-n-y you will get 15 percent off your order and once again want to thank Blue Line Deli and Bagels for hosting us here today. Fantastic stuff going on. You can check out their menu at BlueLineDeli.com and you can check out the brand new wrap, the Hockey Night in New York wrap. That's right, we got a sandwich named after the show. It is delicious. It is grilled chicken, buffalo sauce, mozzarella cheese, and avocado. It's fantastic. Highly recommended, folks. So, folks, With that, remember, you can always check us out at HockeyNightNY.com for live shows and on the archives. If you enjoy the show, please go to your favorite podcast provider, rate, review, and subscribe. Support the show. Help us out. You can follow Christian at C underscore Arnold 01 on Twitter. You can follow myself at Hockey. And you can follow the show at Hockey Night NY on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That is the show for Christian Arnold. My name is Sean Cuthbert. Let's go, Islanders. Let's take game three. We'll see you next week.